instruction. When he said, drink my blood and eat my body, he said, do it in remembrance of me. That's what he said. And the reason he said that, we've been talking about this for a couple months now in different ways. But as a believer, we can fall into the trap of looking to ourselves in so many different ways. Our own strength, but even looking to ourselves and our own failures is the exact same trap as looking at our own strengths. We're called, Hebrews chapter 12 says, as we look to Jesus, we lay aside the things that easily beset us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Because as often as we can put Jesus in what he did at the forefront of our minds, we'll be putting away the things that we've done in our own strength, our successes and our failures. And as we look to him, man, talk about an enlightened path. Looking to Jesus, he is the light. He is the light in the path. So you know what? We're going to take a moment here. We're going to partake in the meal that Jesus not only prepared for us, but the meal that he laid on a table and became the bread. His body became the bread. His blood became the wine. So on that night, when he said, do this in remembrance of me, he, he held up the bread, he broke it. It's the body of Jesus broken, carried our sicknesses, carried our diseases, carried our sin, carried our shame. And he said, now take it, eat it, let's become one. So take it and eat it right now. And then he held up the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. So go ahead and take, take the juice and drink it. Thank you, Jesus. We remember you. Thank you, Lord. The reason I want us to do that because we, as believers, we read about it in Psalms. David prophesied and he said, you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You've seen the painting, the, the, the portrait, the beautiful portrait, the Last Supper. You've read about it. We talk about it a lot, especially at Easter. But Jesus did not just prepare a meal, he became a meal. And really, is there anything better than a really good meal? Man, Lisa and I, y'all know, y'all sent us to Asheville. And we had such a great time this past week. We found this restaurant. One of our favorite kinds of food is Indian food. And we found this Indian restaurant that we have already put in our calendar to make the two-hour trek up to Asheville just to eat at this restaurant. It is the best food I've ever, we were eating it. At one point, Lisa sat back in her chair and she said, I think this is the best food I've ever had in my life. It was so good. And I said, wait a minute, you mean the best food at a restaurant, right? And she goes, no, I think this is the best food I've ever had in my life. Is there anything like a good meal? It just hits the spot. I mean, it, 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 you feel great. I mean, you have to eat. What, it's, it's like putting good fuel, right? It's like when your dad says to you, like, go put some of the good fuel in your car this time. And for whatever reason, I don't know, sometimes you got to get the good, you know, the, the, not the 88, 89, you got to get that like 91 kind of gas in the really fancy cars. Well, when you get a good meal, it's kind of like that. It gives you really good feel, especially when it's not, not just flavorful. I mean, like we're talking like it's got the right things in it to keep you going. It's got the right nutrients. It's not got a bunch of preservatives and additives and things. It's good food. It tastes great. It is the fuel you physically need in your body. But man, it's also this great emotional thankfulness, gratefulness, gratitude especially when the meal's been prepared for you. 
In this case, we paid for it. But man, we have an awesome meal that Jesus prepared for us and gave to us as a gift. Now, as a believer, I just want to keep this metaphor going today, talking about this meal. In fact, one of the greatest lessons in writing I ever got was from my friend Brian, who's sitting right here. He said, I like to take a metaphor and see if I can stretch it through an entire song. Instead of putting 20 metaphors in one song, I like to see how far I can stretch it. I don't even know if you remember saying that, but it impacted me even in how I preach now. Um, I'm going to start with this verse here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The whole point of what we're going to be talking about through November is not so much what thankfulness and gratitude does in our own hearts, but why we as believers have a chance to walk in the attitude of thankfulness every second of the day. What are all the things we have to be thankful for today? You could title today's sermon if you want. Uh, we're thankful for everything Jesus has already deposited on the inside of us. We're going to talk today about what those things are exactly. What do we already have on the inside? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 gives us some insight. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, what does it say? Stuff like six people. Let's try it one more time. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Okay, when we think about the heavenly realms as believers, you think about going to heaven. Do you think about sickness? No, it doesn't exist there. Do you think about poverty? No, it doesn't exist there. Do you think about lack? No, it doesn't exist there. Do you think about anger, hatred? No, it doesn't exist in the heavenly realm this is talking about. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. When does that happen? The second you say yes to his body and his blood and according to Romans you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The second you partake in that meal, every spiritual blessing. A chapter later in Ephesians 2, 6, here's what Paul says. It's a little more insight. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Why are we blessed with every spiritual blessing? How can you say that? Well, because there's a part of us seated in that heavenly place with Jesus. Now, I want to actually talk about what part of us that is because, I mean, we're sitting right here in Gastonia, North Carolina, right? Right? There is a kingdom, there is a spiritual realm, but our body right now is not physically seated with Jesus in that heavenly place. Right? Now, now what we're going to get into here, I might, I might jump around a little bit. There's this verse in 1 Thessalonians that's very important to this. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And if I do jump around, I promise you to fill in the gaps here over the next few minutes. Uh, but here's this great verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. I talked about this just a little bit last week. I want to touch base on it one more time because it's very important. Because if it's true that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, that it's already ours, that it belongs to us, then why don't we feel like we see it? All the time. If we've been blessed with this blessing of healing, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed, Amen. why do our bodies still sometimes get sick? If we're blessed with his riches, 1 Philippians 4.19, 
then how come sometimes we still experience lack? How come, if we are blessed with every one of these blessings, do we still sometimes feel or not see it in the natural? That's what I want to talk to you about because if we can see it, if we understand it, then there's another verse in 1 Peter that talks about how we access all those spiritual blessings. I'm going to go ahead and read that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I said 1 Peter, it's 2. It says, According as His divine power has given, us into, uh, given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So this is talking about every spiritual blessing that we've been blessed with. According as His divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So, if you can picture it this way, upon salvation, upon partaking in this meal, you have been given every spiritual blessing. You are united with Christ, seated in heavenly places. Every good thing that exists in heaven, you have access to it right now. Well, how can we still experience lack? Well, Peter wrote in 2 Peter, you access it through knowledge. And it kind of makes sense. If there is an amazing gourmet feast prepared in the house next door, and I'm here, I don't know about it, but I've been invited, and I'm starving, you know what? The knowledge of this feast, the knowledge that this meal has been prepared, and it's, it's 10 feet away from me, all I have to do, I'm even been invited to it. All I have to do is step out the door, walk next door, open it up, and then sit down at the table that's been prepared and enjoy it. If I know that, that knowledge gives me the chance to access it and to enjoy it. It's the same thing with these. When we know the truth and we know how to access it, we are able to then use it. It's very practical. And you know, it talks about this in the Old Testament too, in the book of Hosea, talking about the children of Israel. It says, my people perished because of lack of knowledge. Man, they perished because of lack of knowledge. Well, we're not going to fall into that trap. As New Testament believers that have been given every scripture right here that we can open up, read, put and apply to our lives. I mean, this is, this will give you the knowledge we're talking about. And I'm going to give it to you here over the next few minutes and over these next few weeks if you listen. But here's the first major point I want to hit today. Jesus has already done his part and deposited these gifts inside of you. Here's where we're at as believers. If we want to keep on picturing this beautiful meal, it's been prepared. We have sat down. If you are saved, if you've said yes to Jesus, that means you have sat down at that table. You've taken the meal. You've, you've said yes to him. And now every spiritual blessing is yours. You've eaten the meal, but so many people still sit at that table and say, Jesus, please give me the meal. Please give me what you've already, please give me the healing. Please give me the blessing. Please give me the answer. Please give me this. And he's sitting there saying, hey, I already did. You already ate. I, I set the table. You sat down. You've eaten. When you, realize what you, when you realize what he's done, what you'll do is you'll sit at that table in a place of rest. And instead of asking him, instead of praying, expecting him to do something great, you'll already realize the blessing you've been given. And you'll just Enjoy it and it'll overflow in your life more than you've ever seen the overflow by trying to get something you've already been given. Wouldn't that be silly to sit at a table after somebody has made this amazing, beautiful meal and instead of just sitting there and saying, thank you so much. 
and enjoying it and enjoying that moment, sitting at the table and saying, hey, so when are you going to uh, serve the good stuff? When are you going to bring out the next course? Well, I've already, that's already everything. But when are you going to bring out like, the thing that's got... That's what we do so many times to Jesus. When are you going to do this? Well, when he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. You know, if you can picture creation, the creation story, God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. During those six days, he produced every living thing to reproduce from within itself. So do you know this? God has not created a tree since those first six days of creation. Since those first six days of creation, trees and the seed within them have created trees. God hasn't created an animal since the first six days of creation. He made animals to reproduce from themselves, and animals have created animals. God hasn't created a human since he created Adam and Eve. He made humans to reproduce after themselves. Right? That's pretty amazing. Think about that. Think about it. In the same way, when Jesus was hung on the cross, when he, like a seed, was put in the ground and he resurrected, he put the seed of every spiritual blessing on the inside of us. And so many times we pray and we say, Jesus, when are you going to give me this? When are you going to give me that? When are you going to do this for me? And he's saying, I already have. Just go enjoy it. Access it. It's yours. It's yours. Just go take it. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like praying that he makes you healthy while you're just eating three cheeseburgers a day. You know that old joke that we all probably heard a million times that somebody's on the roof of a house and there's a flood and a helicopter comes and they're like, no, God's going to save me. And then a boat comes and they're like, God's going to save me. And then at the end, the person drowns and the punchline of the joke is they're in heaven and they're like, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. And you just sat up there and drowned. It's actually a lot of truth in that joke. So many of us sit out and we pray and we, 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 we say, let's go make war in the heavenlies and let's do this. And Jesus is saying, I've already done it. The war is over. Another difference. You see the story of Mary and Martha. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus enjoying his presence. Martha was working. And it wasn't that Martha was doing something wrong. It's not wrong to want to have a clean house, to have things in order, especially when the King of Kings, the Messiah, is sitting in your living room. But when, Mary, when Martha said, Master, would you please tell my sister to help me clean the house for you? He said, look, she's actually doing the better thing. She's made the better choice. She's just enjoying my presence. A lot of us fall into the trap of being like Martha, thinking we have to work or do something to get Jesus to do something for us or to earn his presence. Whereas we're called to be like Mary, who knew, she knew that if she just sat at his feet, he would take care of everything that he already had. It's the difference of trying to work for him and working from the place with him. We're going to be talking about it a lot because if we can get in our minds what we already have, you're going to walk in more victory than you've ever thought or dreamed about walking in. I've even known people that have put together giant services to petition the Lord. They think if we can get more people praying, maybe God will hear us. Or if we, if we speak loud, or if we have a big sound system and put it in Bank of America Stadium and, and we turn it up as loud as it can get, then God's going to notice. Let me tell you, one person praying, declaring in faith is really all you need. You walking in faith 
You declaring your own victory, knowing who you are in Jesus, is more than enough. It's not a negative thing to get a bunch of people together and spend time seeking the Lord and spending time in worship and having a giant service. That's all great. I actually love that. But God doesn't hear you because you have more people. He doesn't hear you. He doesn't, he's not more likely to answer your prayer if more people pray. Just one prayer in faith. One declaration in faith is all you need. And if you can get what I'm going to be talking about over this next month, you can be that one person to stand in faith. Speak the word and see a change starting in your own heart, first and foremost, overflowing into your family, your household, your city, your school, your place of work. And man, 12 people was enough to change the entire world. Really, it came down to one person if you want to keep breaking that down. Jesus was enough to change the world. He has already done everything he needs to do is on the inside of you. Ephesians 1.3. If you've taken notes, write that one down and declare it. That every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms you have been blessed with. So I read the scripture in Thessalonians. Why? Because just like God is a three-part God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he created you as a three-part person. Body, soul, and spirit. That is directly from the word. We read it in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. God bless you wholly. Spirit, soul, and body. Again, I know I've touched on this a lot lately, but it's very important. So here is the quick rundown of that. You have a body that's easy. You see it in the mirror. You feel it right now. You can close your eyes and you can say, mm, my body feels warm. My body feels cold. You can feel your body. There's another part of you, your soul. You can define that as your mind, your will, and emotions, right? And, and, and you know what? Your soul, man, that, that's kind of where your main, if there is a battle, there is, that's where it's at. Right? And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then you have a spirit. You have a spirit, and that is the part of you that lives forever. That is the part of you that is saved. That is the part of you that is dwelling in a heavenly place, according to Ephesians, right now with Jesus. You have a body that's sitting in this chair. You have a mind, a soul that's right up in here, in between your ears, where you process thoughts, you process information, and you also have a spirit. And yes, it's on the inside, but according to Ephesians, it is also seated with Christ in heavenly places. We'll read that again just one more time. It's from Ephesians 2.6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So think about this. Your body is not physically in the heavenly realm. Your soul is not physically in the heavenly realm. Sometimes we still battle negative thoughts. We still battle negative uh, emotions, things like that, right? But our spirit, your spirit, since you've been saved, has not had one negative thought. Since you've been saved, your spirit has not lost one battle. In fact, when you go to children's church as a kid in most churches, you say, where does Jesus live? In my heart. That's our cute way, I guess, of saying that there is a part of Jesus that lives on the inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. Your spirit becomes brand new the second you get saved, right? Your body doesn't become brand new. You look the exact same way when you get saved on the outside as you did before you get saved. Your mind, right, is, is, is receiving salvation at all times, hopefully. We call that renewing your mind. Your mind, though, still has battles. If you're addicted to something, unless a miracle happens when you get saved, you still kind of battle some of those same thoughts, addictions, and you have to let the Word of God move through you to overcome that stuff. But there is a part of you that was dead. How do I know? Because this says right here that you've been raised to life. 
Your body hasn't dead, outdied. Your soul, your mind hasn't died, but there was a part of you called your spirit that because of sin, you were born into this world with a spirit that was dead because of sin. But when you said yes to Jesus, there was a new spirit deposited on the inside of you. And within that spirit is every spiritual blessing. How is that possible? Because that spirit is united with Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places. Well, what about when I mess up? What about when I make a mistake? How can I say I'm still seated in heavenly places when I've had one of the biggest failures, moral failures of my life? How can I still be seated in heavenly places? Because he will never reject you from your presence, from his presence. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's cast your sins. That's how far his forgiveness goes. It's forever. So even though sometimes in our mind, in our body, we fall to things, your spirit remains in that place with Jesus even on your worst day. And that is good news. So here's the difference. We're not trying to get the blessing anymore from Jesus. We've received it. We already have it on the inside. We're just trying to access it. We're not trying to get Jesus to heal us anymore. We're not trying to get him to do this or work a miracle. He's already done the miracle. He's already healed us. We're just trying to access that promise, that gift. We're not trying to get God to give us peace and joy anymore. He said it's yours. In Galatians 5.22, he said that the fruit of that spirit within you is righteousness, is peace, joy. Well, that, that's the kingdom. The fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, joy. You know the fruits of the spirit. My favorite one, Lisa's favorite one is self-control. I mean, really, that's, we talk about that a lot. Second, somebody says, I, I just can't control when this happens. Yes, you can you got the Holy Spirit in you, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. This is a great example that I do think the average believer can even take and understand what it means to be blessed with every spiritual blessing by taking this back to salvation because the exact same principle applies to our salvation. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus die for you on the physical day that you got saved? No. Jesus died for our sins 2,000 years ago on the cross, was resurrected. Salvation was a done deal. The second Jesus took your sins and my sins upon his own body, went into the grave with them. When you got saved, Jesus did not die for you on that day. He did not raise from the dead for you on that day. You simply came into agreement with something he had already done. Yeah. You came into agreement with salvation that was already available to you. And according to 1 John, really for the entire world. The entire world has a chance to come into agreement with salvation that was already supplied for them. It's the same with every other spiritual blessing. We're not trying to get God to do something for us. He's already done it. We're trying to come into agreement with that promise just like we came into agreement with salvation. A lot of people get things twisted. They even use fasting. And people have this idea that if you fast, God will see what you're doing or maybe it makes you holier and he'll answer your prayers because you're fasting. But really, there's a great reason to fast as a New Testament believer, but it is not to move the hand of God. Fasting is a great way to move you. 
Remember, we are spirit, soul, and body. And when we fast, we are taking one-third of us, our flesh, our body, and we are physically telling our body, I'm going to make you weaker by not feeding you so that my spirit and the blessings on the inside will be more likely to rise up. Because what does the Bible say? When we are weak, he is strong. Some of us are so addicted to things in our flesh that it's telling our spirit at all times to back down. Some of us use our flesh to numb the things that the Lord's even trying to say to us. Some of us use overeating. Some of us use uh, a cigarette addiction. Some of us use drug addiction. Some of us use uh, addiction to, 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 to a lifestyle of anger, responding in anger. These are fleshly things that basically block all those blessings from our spirit, from us being able to access it. But when we fast, think of food as an example. You can fast a lot of things. Food, TV. TV is probably even better to fast than food, honestly. But you can fast food. You can fast TV. You can fast movies. You can fast lots of things. Some of us need to fast a bad attitude. You can fast a bad attitude. You can just decide, I'm going to step out of the room and have a bad attitude all by myself. The problem is most of us like people to see our bad attitudes because then we get what we want. Right? We know how to get people to give us what we want by having a bad attitude. Most of us will realize if we isolate ourselves a little bit during the bad attitude moments, uh, we'll realize how pointless it is because then not only will you not get what you're going after, you know, you'll think, man, I'm wasting this bad attitude. No one even can see it. Right? Nobody wants to waste a good bad attitude on themselves. But fasting moves your flesh out of the way. Fasting moves that part of you that is subject in a way to the things of this world out of the way and then allows that part of us that is not subject to things of this world to rise up and to take the lead. Just like salvation was supplied for us and when we partake in the best meal we ever partake of, we receive it Every spiritual blessing is on the inside of you. And instead of begging for it, you're just going to walk in it through the knowledge. It is seated with the Father in heavenly places. Would that change the way maybe you respond to things? Just that one simple truth. If you walk around with the knowledge that there is a very real part of you in fact, the most real part of you, the part of you that will live for eternity, is already seated with God in the heavenly place. Man, does that change the way you want to respond to your family? Does that change the way you want to respond even to a boss? Maybe he doesn't even like you, but it'll change the way you respond to that person. You are seated at that table at a place of rest. And the reason it says seated is because it is a place of rest. For eternity. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, talking about Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, talking about the death of your spirit, and so death passed upon all men for all that have, for all that have sinned. So just like one man sinned and then all of us have been born into sin ever since, one man died, we receive salvation from Jesus and every spiritual blessing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. Therefore, if any man or woman, you could say woman, be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Those things that passed away, well, it wasn't your body. You're still in the same body you were before you got saved. It wasn't your mind. You got the same brain. But your spirit passed away and you were raised to life with a new spirit that is filled with every spiritual blessing. That is such good news. You are not just what you see in the mirror. You are more real than anything made of flesh and blood. That's good, good news. It's very good news. As we become more aware of that truth, we will start walking and accessing more of the promises of God in our life than ever before. Will we still see some, some negativity? Will we still see some things? Listen, as long as we're walking on this earth, we will see some stuff come against us. You know that? There's a real enemy out there. His name is Satan. He's got, there's the demonic forces out there. there. I mean, there's a whole spiritual realm we don't have any understanding of hardly. And what we do understand is probably very, very little. It may not be possible to understand all that stuff with our human brains. But there is an enemy out there. There is a world that we've talked about this for weeks. If we don't let God transform us through the word, there is a world that we will automatically default and begin to think like. And it can happen at any time when we're not allowing the word to transform us. And things will come against us. I mean, the last year and a half was a great example. There is this virus has come against the entire world. Man, there's sometimes the economy is going to be fighting you. There's times you're going to feel like the government's fighting you. There's times you're going to feel like going into work is a fight. There are times you might feel like, I love the line that Brian said, you got to choose to love your enemies, even those that live in your house. There might be times of stress and strife that you're going through even within your family. Those things aren't of God. We can get through it and we can find the answer. We can say no to strife. And I would encourage you to do so. James 3.16 says that it, where envy and strife are present, there's confusion in every evil work. If you're in a very confusing season right now, that's not the Lord. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. The mind of Christ is one of those things deposited in your spirit. If you're very confused right now with a path to walk down, if you're confused by which way you need to go, take some inventory and get strife and envy out of your life and watch the confusion go with it. That's another example of something you've been given as a Christian. The mind of Christ. That's from 1 Corinthians. Why don't I always know the answer? Jesus always knew the answer. Yes, sometimes you don't know the answer because you're allowing envy and strife to stop that answer from rising up out of your spirit into your mind, your soul. You're praying, saying, Lord, give me the answer. Give me the answer. And he's saying, I already have given you the mind of Christ. Get rid of the strife and you'll see it. Get rid of the envy. It's in the instructions. Get rid of the envy and the strife and watch the answer. There are so many spiritual blessings. Every promise in the New Testament and even beyond. Paul said that the promise God made to Abraham belongs to us. The gospel is filled with so much good news that even goes beyond we get to live forever with Jesus. Now, I say beyond. That is the greatest gift of all time. What I'm saying when I say beyond means some of us know I get to be with Jesus forever, and that's the extent. What I'm saying is there's more to it, meaning there are blessings we get to walk in 
in this life. We don't have to wait for eternity. We get to have eternity now. It's every blessing deposited on the inside of us. We have to learn to access it. That is where we're going to jump on next week, is once we have the knowledge, how do we access it? I hope that's not leaving you hanging. Uh, I feel like if you're a part of our church, you've actually heard some of this over the years, probably. So uh, I hope I'm not leaving you hanging. You can start off by renewing your mind to the Word every day. Open up the Word, read promises. You know, when I first learned some of this stuff, I went through my Bible with a highlighter, and I started in Matthew, and I highlighted every promise made to the believer. What do I mean by promise? I mean, when I got to 1 Peter, and I was in chapter 2, and it says, if you're a believer, Jesus healed you. I highlighted that. I was like, wait, he did what? I'm not waiting to get healed. I'm not asking him to do this. He's not picking and choosing who gets healed and who doesn't. No. He's not up there picking and choosing who gets healed. We access that through the knowledge and through understanding what we have on the inside, renewing our mind to it. It's a miracle when you walk in healing and it's something we're celebrating. But it's something that does not have to be, I can't think of a better word, it doesn't have to be a crapshoot. It's not like we're just praying and saying, Lord, well, there's 10 sick people. Uh, hope you heal some of them. No. Just like salvation is for every human, you have to just say yes to it. Healing is for every person out there. Once you get saved, you've got to learn how to access it. That is part of taking the limits off God, which is that those letters we used to have up there. You've got to get the knowledge and you have to access it. So many, too many believers hear about salvation and think, ooh, that's good. I'm done now. That's good. I'm done. I got my ticket punched to heaven and, and now I'm good. But there is so much more that we get a chance to access every spiritual blessing. Here's a good way of saying it. If something doesn't exist in heaven, it has no business existing in your life. I mean, how else can you say that? How else can you say that? If it doesn't exist in heaven, it has no business existing in your life. So what does that mean? That means when something does come against you, when you are faced, you wake up one morning, a couple weeks ago, I woke up in a Monday morning, boy, I did not feel good. I spent the entire morning being a little bit sick, but I didn't let it take me out. I mean, I, I, I rested. I sat on my couch. I read the word a little. I started praying. I was worshiping a little bit. And I'm telling you, by 7 or 8 o'clock that night, I was in a whole different place than I was when I woke up in that morning. But something came against me. You know what I started saying? I know that your word says I'm healed. I know that your word says I do not have to deal with this sickness. It took about 12 hours. I don't know. Maybe it just worked this way out naturally. I'm just going to choose to believe that I walked into victory over it. Amen. You know? Amen. Why not? Every spiritual blessing has been deposited on the inside of you. You've got to access it through the knowledge. That's the first thought. Is it that easy? Yeah. This is step one. Knowing it's there is step one. You have been given all of it. Every bit of it. Andrew Walmack always says it like this. You've already got it. There's a lot of Christians. I love his example. Uh, he always says there's a lot of Christians that are like a dog uh, tasting its own tail. You ever seen a dog taste its tail? Does the little circle thing trying to get what it's already got? Right? It's already got the tail. Just calm down and enjoy it. Wag it when you see, you know, your, 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 your funeral walk in the front door. I like to think of it as this meal. It's like sitting at the table after the best meal you've ever had. 
And instead of just being grateful and enjoying that moment, saying, hey, when are you bringing out the good stuff? When can I enjoy this meal? We already did. It's already yours. Let's just rest and enjoy this moment. It's good, good news. We're going to talk about this a lot more over the next month, uh, but especially next week, we're going to go right into 2 Peter and talk about the knowledge and how we access these promises through that knowledge. So I'm not going to leave you hanging. I've said a lot today. Let's see.